Well, good morning, church. If you've been with us the last couple of weeks, you know uh, that event that we've got coming in two weeks' time, we had first started off with this goal of packing 100,000 meals in one day, 500 serving spots. You guys filled every one of those spots a month out, so we committed to an additional 50,000 meals and 300 more serving spots. Of those 300, we have only 97 spots left where we'll be full with 800 of us here in the lobby and a tent on the patio. And in Saturday, in two weeks, we will pack 150,000 meals in one day as a church. <clears throat> so if you have not registered, 97 spots is all that remains uh, for you to be a part of that event, which is gonna be Really, really cool. Hey, next week, uh, I'm going to interview a guy who has an amazing testimony who comes out of the foster care program. And we're going to spend next weekend looking at foster care from a biblical response to the crisis right here in North Carolina and how we can make a difference in that area. Then the following week, uh, we have the pastors from the Dominican Republic Partners Church will be here with us, and we get to share that day. Compassion International will be here that day as well. Then the following week is Palm Sunday, and Pastor Harvey Carey will be back with us in the house to speak that day. In the afternoon, as you heard Abby say, we have Spring Fest, which is gonna be amazing, and then that rolls us all the way into Easter weekend. We have an amazing run ahead of us, and this is where I tell you, you need to come every week in, these, in this run. It's gonna be really, really cool. But today, we start a brand new series called Compassion, no, not Compassion, called Celebration of Hope. <laughs> Would help if I know the name of the series, right? <laughs> Celebration of Hope. Last week, uh, not last week, gosh, I'm off to a bad start. It's because of the... <laughs> It's because of the snow in the first service, right? I feel like I'm back in Chicago. All right, get it together. Yesterday, I'm doing some yard work because there was no snow yesterday, right? And I was listening to a message um, by Pastor Tony Evans, and Pastor Evans talked about the pandemic of the coronavirus, and then he moved on and he said, there is a new pandemic that is across America. And he said these words, he said, it's a pandemic of meanness. And I, I let go of my lawnmower, just like, that is so gripping. And it ties into today and this new launch of this series that we're doing over the next three weeks, and it's really about us activating kindness. It's about us understanding the power of compassion and empathy that lies within the local church. And so that's what we're gonna be looking at in the next three weeks, is what it means to be the church, to acknowledge that as we walk with God and stay connected with Him, as we grow in Him, worship Him, love Him, and commune with Him, His heart, His character, starts to be deposited within us. It starts to occupy more and more space in our lives until we can't contain his character in us and it starts to spill out for those around us. There's an overflow effect of compassion that takes place because that is the character of God. It's part of what it means to be rooted in him. 
that the love of God that we receive from Christ ends up becoming the love that we give to others. That the compassion and empathy that we receive from Christ ends up being the compassion and empathy that we give to others. That the change heaven longs to bring to this world, the celebration of hope is brought through us. So over these coming weeks, we hope and pray that God is gonna touch, if you let him, your heart, your passion, and then ignite something new in you and in me that shakes us out of our all too familiar world. And it'll be based on this unique, not of this world, kind of compassion from this countercultural, radical guy named Jesus Christ. Because the truth is, we need to be reminded that the message of Jesus was not and will not be ushered in with wrath, judgment, and condemnation, where in his day, the Roman armies were overturned and the empires of that day came crashing down, but rather the kingdom of God comes by acts of compassion and empathy expressed at the very hand of Jesus himself. In his words, in Luke 7, 22, he says, the blind receive sight, the lame walk, Those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. This is the kingdom of God. This is the way of Jesus. And so I wanna take us to an example of compassion at the hand of Jesus this morning. I wanna take us to an act that only Dr. Luke records Of all the Gospels, Luke is the only one who records this, and it's an act that extends past the man-made barriers of race and respectability. Luke felt like this was important enough for us to sit under this teaching today. So with that, if you're able to, if you would please stand to your feet to honor the reading of God's Word this morning. going to be in Luke chapter 7, beginning in verse 11, and it reads, Soon afterwards, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nan, and a large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died was a widow's only son, and a large crowd from the village was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. Then he walked over to the coffin, touched it, and the bearers stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. Great fear, reverence, swept the crowd, and they praised God, saying, a mighty prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people today. And the news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding countryside. The kingdom of God ushered in through an act of compassion. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Who has the nerve to interfere and interrupt 
the decorum of a funeral and halt the procession. There's a sense of reverence to be observed. No one dare do this. It was actually customary in that time that you would pay for mourners to line the streets to draw greater attention to the funeral procession. You would never interrupt this sad progression to the grave. Unless, of course, you held the authority over life and death in your very hand. Unless, of course, you yourself conquered death. Unless you are the resurrection and the life. This widow was flat out hopeless unless Jesus, unless Jesus happens to see her. Now notice who is emphasized in this story. It is not the boy who is dead who needs a miracle to be raised back to life. That's not the emphasis of this story. But rather, the person that Jesus has compassion for, look at this, in seven short verses, it tells us that the boy is the only son of a widow. The Lord saw her. He had overflowed compassion for her. He first speaks to her and says, don't cry. The mourners were with her. And Jesus gave her son back to her. Seven short verses, six times the focus of compassion is on this woman. Now, did you notice who made the request of Jesus? Notice who it is that asked Jesus to stop and to intervene and interfere on this progression to the grave. Who it is that asks him to stop and have compassion on this woman? No one does. No one does. Jesus expresses deep empathy for this woman as he enters into her experience. He knows that this is her only son and she now has no male protector or provider, no possibilities of earning a living in her day. There is no way that the family line continues. In her culture, she is now destitute and without a trace of hope for her future. That is, unless Jesus. Unless Jesus happens to be walking along, he sees her and as Luke records, there is an overflow of compassion in his heart towards her. There is an old Croatian saying that says, is your heart a sponge or a fist? This morning, what overflows from your heart? If your heart is a fist, maybe nothing overflows from your heart. What overflows from your heart this morning? Jesus was about displaying to the world a new kind of compassion, a selfless compassion. He introduced Christian compassion that differed profoundly from any charity expressed in the Greco-Roman civilizations. Jesus and the early Christians practiced this kind of compassion that in Latin is called caritas, which means displaying compassion to relieve the recipient's economic or physical distress, get this, without expecting anything in return. 
Whereas in the culture of that day, and come on, the culture of our day too often, is this Latin word, liberalitas, which is giving to please the recipient so that they would later bestow a favour on the giver. That was the compassion of the day. A favour for a favour in return. In Luke 4, 18, Jesus speaking, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. This woman is the epitome of who Jesus came to save. She is an obvious recipient of the gospel. He saw her situation and his heart overflowed with compassion for her and he did not wanna leave her in that condition. Side note, Jesus sees you and your situation and he also doesn't wanna leave you in your condition. He sees me and he doesn't wanna leave me in my condition. The celebration of hope is that we unleash compassion because our God is the God of compassion. Christ-centered compassion is caritas-driven, love-motivated, selfless with nothing to gain. This kind of compassion, Christian innovation. Historically, we didn't see any trace of this until Jesus started to operate with selfless compassion. And now, ironically, we know today that there's actual physiological benefit to this kind of selfless compassion in our lives. Dr. Stephen Post heads an institute that actually funds high-level research on human compassion. They did studies with over 44 major universities, and here's what he writes. The remarkable bottom line of the science of compassion is that it protects overall health twice as much as aspirin protects against heart disease. The benefits of compassion to your physical health alone are so strong that if compassion was not free, pharmaceutical companies would herald the discovery of a stupendous new drug called Give Back instead of Prozac, and they would run TV ads about the power of compassion to enhance your life. This is a God idea, friends. God set this up, that when we give of ourselves, when we give compassion, a selfless sacrifice of giving ourselves, His character overflows from us and we find abundant life when we live in the truth of a selfless compassion. Selflessly compassionate people are less prone to illness, less prone to depression, isolation, and anxiety, all more than self-focused people. A Berkeley study of over a five-year period found that those who volunteer for two or more organizations had a 44% lower chance of dying sooner than people who weren't serving. A University of Michigan study found that while receiving from others didn't reduce mortality at all, giving, being generous with yourself, being compassionate to others, cuts mortality rates in half. That's why in two weeks for our meal packing event, our motto is pack or die. 
<laughs> so there is 97 spots available. <laughs> that none should die. <laughs> the ultimate act of Christ's compassion was what? The sacrificial gift of his life for us, right? He literally switches places with us. Never forget that Christ's de death and resurrection for you represents history's climax and the turning point of the greatest cosmic power struggle in human history. And the result isn't just changed hearts, it's a changed world. The unstoppable invasion of God's kingdom into this, the enemy's world, and the broken systems in it can only be undone by a result of Jesus' ambassadors being unleashed in an overflow of selfless acts of compassion and empathy onto this world. So out, throughout this series, I wanna challenge you to ask God to help you see the need. You see, Jesus walked up to a funeral and his heart overflowed with compassion because he saw. Ask him to show you a point of suffering. Over this series, give you a burden. Ask God to ignite your heart afresh around something in this Celebration of Hope series and then move to meet the need. Give to our homeless blessing bags. Serve at our meal packing event. Sponsor a foster child locally and a compassion child globally and go on a team to the DR this summer. Something to ignite within you a compassion that comes from your heart that causes that to overflow out and spill around to those around you. Now we know we live in a time like no other in human history. Because of technology, we have exposure to happenings around the world in real time. Our threshold for compassion and our empathy quota often gets met before we've left the house in the morning. And one has to ask, was the human heart ever meant to take in this overload of heartache? The level of sadness sprawled over our screens for us to have to digest, process, and attempt to reconcile by the time we walk out the door in the morning. This sadness of this postmodern heart this postmodern soul that gets barraged by images of the evilness in our world, the sadness of natural disasters, the sadness of deep, deep loss, and the vast majority of us, the vast majority of this sadness, we have no individual control over making any difference to any of it. See, for the majority of human history up to this point, all the sadness that people were ever aware of was predominantly in their immediate village. And you could make and did make a difference to extend compassion and empathy to those around you who were hurting. So there are two great dangers of our time. Two great dangers of our time. The first is obvious. In the midst of 
all of this evil and heartache that sprawled over our screens. The first is that we would grow numb to the world around us and ineffective in the celebration of hope in which we're called. The second is this, that we express personal empathy when we should express organised compassion. And we express organised compassion where we should express personal empathy. Now I wanna acknowledge in my study, author Joe Rigney, who wrote an article called The Enticing Sin of Empathy, How Satan Corrupts Through Compassion. And also author John Tyson and his work around leadership compassion. So what is personal empathy versus organized compassion? Let's define them. Personal empathy, to emotionally unite yourself with someone else's experience. Whereas organized compassion is compassionate care with a desire to alleviate suffering from a planned and organizational basis. As a church, it's important that we know the difference in what we do in the individual parts of the body with personal empathy and what we do together as the body of Christ in organized compassion as the local church. We need to do both, and we need to do both and respond to both with an ordered wisdom in our life. See, personal empathy has four aspects to it. First, it's a concern for the individual, entering their experience, emotionally engage, and fourth, reactive in nature. There are four things to organized compassion. First is concern for the majority, system-sensitive, data-driven, longer-term outcomes. So researchers have looked into what it means to have a circle of personal empathy and to understand what, what is the capacity for an individual with how many they can have in their personal circle of empathy. And research shows that it's between nine and 16 people. Inside your circle of empathy, between nine and 16 people. So you ask, how do I know who is in my personal circle of empathy? Well, Mark, Malcolm Gladwell gave this simple definition. He said, make a list of the people you know whose death would leave you truly devastated. And start to work down your list into understanding your circle of personal empathy, nine to 16 people. So what happens when you continually operate with more than 16 people? You attempt to have your circle of empathy to be too large. Research shows that what happens is it leads to you being overwhelmed by everyday tasks. You become defensive and eventually hostile towards others. Whereas understanding and operating with less than 16 people in your circle of empathy, it leads to wholeness, intimacy, and a deep sense of belonging. You know your role as an individual. Now when organized compassion is impacting less than 16 people, it leads to irrelevance, meaninglessness, 
and reputational damage for the organization, while impacting greater than 16 people leads to larger scale progress, maximum beneficiaries, and breakthrough solutions. Understanding the dynamics of these two things are so imperative to us as a church as we think about organized compassion both locally and globally as the local church in this series, Celebration of Hope. Paul gives us this warning and this instruction recorded in 1 Corinthians 12, 27. He says, and now you are the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ. And so here is my challenge. The phrase that pays. Are you ready for it? Wow. Are you ready for it? (laughs) When you stretch out your hand, you stretch out his hand. When you stretch out your hand, you stretch out his hand. Today as the church, the body of Christ, when you stretch out your hand in, in some profoundly mysterious and supernatural way, you are literally stretching out the hand of Jesus. When you choose to get involved in allowing God's character that's deposited within you to be an overflowing response out of your heart in compassion, you stretch out your hand. And when you do, you stretch out his. The problem is we have this twisted view of the church. What do I mean by that? The church is 90 minutes on a Sunday morning. That's our twisted view. And when it comes to what it means for us to stretch out our hands, we've made this about an event that happens on Sunday morning. And it's not an event. The church is our identity, right? It's, It's not about us coming to this building. It's about us understanding that we're part of the body. It's not about a religious institution, it's actually a holy revolution. It was in the 16th century, a Spanish nun by the name of Teresa of Avila, she wrote this, Christ has no body now on earth but yours. Christ has no hands, no feet now on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes through which he looks with compassion on this world. Your eyes are the eyes that Jesus looks with compassion on this world. That you are Christ's body. That you are his hands and his feet to this hurting world. For he has no hands on earth but your hands. Wow, I I may be preaching better than your amens are right now. (laughs) Let me say it again, Jesus has no hands on earth but your hands. Do do you sense the responsibility? Because you should, we should. We should know that together, as the body of Christ, we are called to stretch out the hand of compassion that the world can see the compassion of Jesus. We should be doing something. 
Have you ever wondered, does, does God have a plan B or his plan A is all he has? Like this idea in his supreme wisdom is to use the broken lives of you and me to represent him. Like that's, that's plan A? Is, is there a plan B? There's not. There's not a plan B. There's you and I understanding the responsibility that God has given us the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, that we would move past a life that is selfless and self-centered and move into the understanding that God empowers us to stretch out our hand of compassion. And then He does this mysterious thing. When we do it, we stretch out the hand of Jesus and the world sees that. we better be doing something. Like seriously, we can't come here for 90 minutes on a Sunday and that's God's plan A. We should feel a responsibility of the divine plan that collectively we have to make a difference to our community, we have to ask ourselves as a local church, if we cease to exist today, would those around us even notice? Sit in that for a moment. If we cease to exist, would our local community notice? We better make that really, really difficult. Because we're a faith community that understands the responsibility that when we come into this place, this doesn't define us as the body of Christ. It's here that we get energised and we encourage one another and we do organised compassion so the world gets to see the compassion of Jesus. They get to see that we can't contain God's character that He's deposited within us and it just spills out. It just overflows from us onto others. So in this Celebration of Hope series, I, I wanna give us some real practical handles where you can say, yeah, I'm gonna stretch out my hand there. I'm gonna stretch out my hand there. I'm gonna be part of celebration of hope. And so three things globally, three things globally we're doing. First is we're, we're sending three teams to the Dominican Republic this summer. And, and one of those teams is full. Another team has six openings and another team has two openings. So really I'm speaking to eight of you right now. I just don't know who those eight are. And I believe that some of you don't know that you're one of those eight. And that you would take some time to pray and to ask God, are, are you calling me to go to join one of these teams and be part of this life-changing event in my life where this would be how I would stretch out my hand in this Celebration of Hope series? The second thing globally, we've talked about it already, we're packing 150,000 meals to alleviate hunger around the world. And third, on March 26th, Compassion International will be here. And here's what we've done. We've, we've contacted 
Compassion International based around our partner church in the Dominican Republic. And we've said every single child that is waiting to be sponsored, we want all of those packets to be here on March 26. And New Hope Church wants to sponsor every one of those kids so that they're in the Compassion program with the church that we sponsor in the Dominican Republic. Amen? All right, locally, locally in Celebration of Hope, we've been collecting with a goal of 400 blessing bags for the homeless community around us locally. And many of you have already given generously, but all of these things, you'll see a QR code on the screen, it's the same one in the seat back in, uh, in front of you. You click on that, it'll take you to the hub. If you click on the missions tile, all of these initiatives are there for you to click on and to take next steps. So with the blessing bags, we're doing cutoff today, um, but we'll also include tomorrow. If this afternoon you wanna go on, there's an Amazon list. Um, you can send something here to the church, drop it off to the church tomorrow. But I think it's really cool that we're gonna pack 400 blessing bags for homeless people in our local area. Is that cool? And then secondly, locally, next week, there'll be an opportunity where you can get involved in helping with foster care here in North Carolina as we look at what it means for us to act as the church. Jesus gave clear instructions for the church when it came to orphans and children who are in unsafe, insecure environments. And there'll be an opportunity for you to sponsor foster kids. So as I look at this list, we've got three globally and two locally. And I'm struck in this moment, it, it would have been kind of cool to have three globally and, and, and three locally. Like it would be cool right now if I got to tell you one more local thing. Like that would have been cool. It would have been cool to tell you about an, a local event that's gonna take us six months to achieve as a church. That would have been cool if I got to say that. But right now, we just have two. But I do get to tell you <laughs> about an initiative that's gonna take us six months to achieve as a church locally here in Durham, and it's this. We're gonna build a house in Durham with Habitat for Humanity. Over the next six months, there's gonna be opportunities for us to serve. Whether you've got construction experience or no experience at all, right here locally in Durham, we're gonna build a house together. And there'll be more information about that. And if you uh, click on the, the missions tile, you can go down to an information meeting uh, that we've got happening at the end of the month to learn more about that. But we are going to live out what it means in really practical ways to have organized compassion where we put on display selfless compassion as a church and follow Jesus' example, follow the way of Jesus. And I wanna encourage you to be here, part of this series, to just soak in the Holy Spirit moving on your heart and on my heart towards expressions of selfless acts of compassion. Now, this can't happen single-handedly. 
That was an impressive play on words right there. Come on. <laughs> this can't happen single-handedly, but we need all of us involved. Around the staff, we, we have this saying when it comes to high-impact events and services around the church that it's all hands on deck, meaning you can't be away that weekend and we need you all in and all hands on deck to make this the highest quality, deepest impact experience possible. And so church, I'm saying, for celebration of hope, this is an all hands on deck initiative. We need all of you to be involved. We need all of your hands to be stretched out so that we understand as a church that when we stretch out our hand, we stretch out His hand. And we live it out and we experience it as a church. Because we come to know that there is none like Him. There is, there is no one like Jesus. The one that we follow and look to emulate His example, that it's all to be like Him. To, to, to have our hearts where we're saying, Jesus, there's none beside you. There's, there's none beside you, Jesus. And we do this all for you because there's none like Jesus.
and take out your communion elements received on your way in. If you didn't get them, the ushers are walking around. Give those to you right now. What we hold in our hand is the reminder that Jesus outstretched His hand and tagged us and then switched places. He stretched out His hands on a cruel Roman cross and allowed them to be nailed where He died in our place, He switched places with us. He died, He was buried, and then He rose again. So go ahead and peel the bottom and reveal the bread. The night Jesus was betrayed, He took bread, He broke it. This is my body broken for you, He said. When you eat this, remember me. Let us eat and remember. Go back and reveal the juice. At the same time, Jesus took the cup of the new covenant, declaring this is a new promise between God and His people. And He commanded us when we drink this to remember Him, so let us drink and remember.
So God in heaven, we wanna thank you for sending Jesus to switch places with us so that all of the wrath of our wrongdoing, the, the penalty of it would be placed on Him instead of on us. And God, we thank You for putting His robe of righteousness around us that we could be known as sons and daughters of the Most High. Now, Father, as a church, we just wanna ask, just humbly, Father, would You just put Your hand of favour and impact upon this series that we're entering into? God, we think of all of the compassion initiatives that we're gonna do as a church. We pray, Father, that it would have a ripple effect of impact through people's lives. Father, I pray that in six months' time, there'll be people who say, hey, I came to New Hope, I heard of New Hope because of Celebration of Hope. There was something that you guys did that I was the recipient of and I came to know the hope that is found in Jesus Christ when you surrender your life to Him and you're found to be accepted with His forgiveness and grace and mercy. God, let that be what is marking our church these days, that our impact would grow because we want the Name of Jesus to be more famous in people's lives and let it overflow from us that would be a selfless compassion, we pray. So Lord, we ask, your hand would be upon this series. Your hand would be upon our church, that we wouldn't be just containing here within this place, your goodness and your kindness, but we would combat the pandemic of meanness through the compassion of Jesus Christ, we pray. And it's in His mighty Name we say this. And all of the church agreed and said, Amen, amen and Amen.